So uh, if you got your Bibles, go with me to the book of Revelation, and we're going to pick back up with uh, chapter 13. We're going to kind of do something today. We're going to kind of hit just one little piece of the verse in here, and then next, uh, the next, either next week or the next week, we'll get into, uh, we're going to kind of back up and hit chapter 12 and chapter 13 again. And so uh, you'll, you'll find out about this beast and this false prophet. You're going to find out more about them. We're not even, so when I say 13, everybody think, ooh, come on. Because there's a lot in 13, and there's a, and there's a beast and there's a, that rises, and there's a man that comes on the scene. We're not going to talk about him today, but we're going to pick something out that's very important in here because we want to see, we said we're starting the book of Revelation, and what we were doing, rather than getting down to the, like a lot of people do, into the intricacies of it, we're, we're stepping back and getting the big picture of it, kind of like we did with that Impressionist painting at the very first week where we saw that Monet painting, and we took us, we, we, when it was an Impressionist painting, if any of you ever been, I know y'all are all so cultured like me, that you go to art galleries all the time, but if you go, like BJ, but if, uh, if you go uh, and, and you look at those Monet paintings, at those Impressionist paintings, uh, they, if you look at them up close, they're, they're all, it doesn't look like anything, but when you step back, it becomes this beautiful image. And that's what we're doing. I remember coming into Christianity and I, for the first time reading my Bible. And one of the things that helped me in each book that I began to read is to look, Daniel, at the big picture. If I could get the big picture, the overall theme of this book, who wrote it, what was it about, what's going on. Then when I went down into the intricacies of it, it made a lot more sense. And so we're looking at kind of like we said when you got a puzzle, for those of you that like to build puzzles and you uh, if you're like me I'm very challenged with games and puzzles and so uh, I, I lose my attention real quick all that and I get frustrated but if I do build a puzzle usually I need to build one of those kids puzzles but if you get one of those with a lot of pieces I've got to look at the top the, the picture on the top so that I can see what it looks like in order to get the pieces to put together and I got to know what I'm going towards and that's what we're doing with the book of Revelation we're taking a step back and we're getting the big picture of the whole thing. And one of the biggest things we see in the big picture is Jesus Christ is victorious. Jesus Christ is victorious. And that's the biggest picture that we see. And we've seen that all along. And today we're going to see that once again. And so we're going we're to pray and then we're going to dive into chapter 13. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this great, great group of people that are here. Lord, I love them dearly. And Father, I thank God that they are here. What a, what a beautiful presence of the Lord is in this place today, God. And I just know that you are with us. You've been with us for, since the beginning in our Sunday school classes. You've been with us, God, as we've been here, God, in, in uh, worship. And now you're going to be with us, God, as the word is, uh, is preached. And God, I don't know why that you've taken, God, uh, the foolishness of taking someone like myself, God, and just uh, taking the scriptures and opening them up and expounding them to people, God, at, at, at how... You miraculously change lives, God, that the Spirit's power is added to that and faith is mixed with that. And God, people are transformed and changed. And the reason I know that is I'm one of those people that my life was changed through the preaching of God's Word. And so, Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you that it doesn't go out void. We thank you that some water, some plant, but God gives the increase, God. And we just thank you for that today. Lord, speak to our hearts and change our lives through your Word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And Everybody said amen. amen. We said we're going through the book of Revelation. We said we're good, taking a look at the big picture. And today what I want us to look at is that God is in control. 
God is in control. And that's the biggest thing we're going to look at. No matter what the current problems may be going on today, and there's plenty of them to talk about, but no matter what the current problems are that we're looking at, no matter how severe, we can keep a proper perspective of everything in this book. And I believe that's what John is continuously trying to write to us, uh, is a perspective that God is in control. And, 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 and when you say that, we look at that and you say, yeah, yeah, right, Brad. How can God be in control yet? Yet we bury a baby a couple of weeks ago. How can God be in control yet uh, we've been through so much difficulty and hardship in our family? How, 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 tell me that, Brad. How can God be in control yet we have all of these difficulties? But when you go through the Psalms, you continuously read it. You see that with David continuously crying out, God, how long? How long are my enemies going to come against me? How long are they going to encroach on me? How long am I going to have to go through this? How long am I going to have to go through that? God, where are are you? And those seem to be cries that come out of our heart. And in their scripture, there's something that we read about called the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. And what that means simply, mostly, is that God is kingly and supremely in reign over all things. God is in total control over everything, including His authority is over everything that you see. It's over nature, it's over weather, it's over you, it's over me, it's over His enemies, it's over Satan, it's over everything. And so God is in completely con uh, in control and in authority. That's called the sovereignty of God. Not only is God in complete control, but God has a plan. God has a plan, and this is what we're building into today, to see that God has a plan in the midst of Satan being allowed to be here, in the midst of mankind seemingly being able to do whatever they want to do and seemingly thinking they have a plan that they're marching towards a specific end. God is in ultimate control of everything. God supersedes everything, and He has had a plan that has been going on since the beginning of time, and He's working working this plan out for our good. Amen? And how do humans come into this? Where do we come in? Where do we play into that? Well, a great way to look at that is to look at the death of Jesus Christ. A great way to kind of understand the plan of God and the plan of, of where we fit in is to take a look at one of the greatest events of all time and to look at, at Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection because we're going to find out here that it is the plan and it is where all things come together and snapped together and everything that was planned before the foundation of the world through the Father and the Son everything comes to a place in history where it culminates right there and no wonder the earth shook and no wonder the rocks broke open and no wonder the people came out of the graves and were resurrected because it all came together at that certain place and so we're going to look at how all these things meet there, all these things converge right there with humanity with Satan and demons and with God, how do these things seem to converge and come together all in this place? And that's what we want to kind of we want to kind of look at today. So let's look at this in uh, Acts 22, starting in Acts 2:22. And I want you to see something. The men of Israel, hear these words: Jesus of, man, of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus was delivered up, I want you to see this, according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. 
But he doesn't let mankind off the hook, Lonnie. You, you crucified him and killed him by the hands of lawless men. We see this, this weird working of God and man at the same time being able to do their thing. God's doing his things. It seems like man is able to do what he wants to do. It's kind of this weird thing that we have that's hard, that, that our minds, we can't wrap our minds again. Like two things, it's, it's called antinomy. And it's a word I told you a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if anybody went and looked it up. But it's these two different seemingly truths that come together and they collide. It's like, how can this happen? How, like a paradox. How can these things be happening? How can man be in control, marching on his way to do something, and God be in control, marching on his way to do something, and yet the, these things seem to be totally opposed and so, totally colliding? Yet, I'm telling you something. You're going to see today from this book that God is in perfect control. He is not bothered by antinomy. He is over antinomy, and he supersedes the plan of man. He supersedes the plans of Satan. He supersedes every other plan and he is Lord of all. Amen. So he, he, he orchestrates all these things despite humans' failure and frailty. He allows it, and, but yet he, it does not thwart the plan of God. Look at what he says next. He says this, for truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatsoever your hand had predestined to play, take place. Again, he says, nobody's without excuse. Not the Jews, not the Gentiles. You're both guilty. Everybody on the face of the earth are guilty. Humankind is guilty of doing this thing. Yet, 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 I predestined it. It was part of my plan. It was my plan that did it. I orchestrated this despite your sinfulness. And, 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 and humanity is not exonerated, but yet God orchestrates this in spite of humanity and what they do. And God is so powerful that he supersedes everything. And in spite of everything that we try to do, our God cannot be stopped. Unstoppable God, let your glory go on and on. Right? impossible things in your name they shall be done right because nothing can stop him and that's that word I said again how is God superseding all things and humanity is still fulfilling its thing and that again is that word antinomy how is God superseding all things and yet man still fulfilling its plans and its purposes how does that happen it seems like a contradiction it's a contradiction between two conclusions that are that are in themselves uh, reasonable or a paradox and God is fulfilling his thing and humanity is trying to fulfill its thing and God says both of these things are true and humanity is filling its thing yet God supersedes it and our minds are so limited it goes pow I can't get this right God's ways are not our ways God's ways are higher than our ways God stands above antinomy because he sees how all of this works together he sees how he can use Satan he sees how he can use evil he sees how he can allow sin he's not the author of sin and of evil but he can allow it and use it and supersede it and cause his plan to come to fruition amen what a God, what power, what power, amen, what power, you talk about power, 
So look at Revelation 13, 7. And let's look at these passages. And we're going to look from God's vantage and from human's vantage. And we're going to see what it goes on to say here. Look at what it says. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was giving it over every tribe, people, language, nation, and all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb was slain. Go on to the next passage. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword he must be slain. Here is the call for the endurance of faith of the saints. So all of a sudden we're going to focus on, and what I want to focus on today, before we take 13 and really, and next week, uh, the week after that, it will be really good because we're going to do chapter 12 and chapter 13. And man, there's, there's this war going on in heaven. There's this, this woman. There's, this, uh, there's all kinds of things. She's giving birth to a child. She got on a crap. Man, there is some cool imagery. There is some cool things that go place there. There's these people rising up out of the sea, out of the land. And there is an explanation for all of those things. But today, I want to focus on this little part right here in chapter 13 because you got to get this because there was a time right here where things were going on like persecution when John is writing this and the people were oppressed and they needed to know something, Daniel. They needed to know God's victorious. They needed to know I'm okay. They needed to know that even though it appears man's on a trajectory, God's on a trajectory, God supersedes all things. So for the church of Jesus Christ, this is very important to know what God is doing right here. And here's what he begins to, I want us to focus on. Verse 8, and everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb was slain. That, 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 that right there has got a lot in it. I mean, just think about it. Everyone who, everybody whose name was not found in this book before the world began. I don't know about you, I want to be in that book. So we see this beast that comes on the scene. God, God's, in, God's here. Mankind is here on this trajectory. They've sinned, they've done their thing. And now we see this beast that appears here in the end days. And he makes war on the saints, Joe. He makes war. He, it says also that this beast was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. Who's allowing this? God. Who, who has authority to supersede all things? God. You look disappointed. <laughs> God. Tapering off. I'm writing this to help you get on a high so that you can see even though these people are being allowed things to be happening, God's got a bigger plan. God is superseding man's plan. God is superseding the beast plan. Even though there's some suffering going on, God was superseding uh, the enemy's plan. When it looked like Jesus is dying on the cross, Satan appears like he's winning. I'm thwarting the plan of God. Ha, ha, ha. No, you're not, devil. You're enacting the plan of God. Three days later, he's getting up, right? 
So, so what you kill him? Three days, you, you were actually, you're actually, you're, you're being hoodwinked. Checkmate. You're the one, you're putting him to death and thinking you're stopping the plan of God. He supersedes the plan of God. He's enacting the plan of God. Through his death, we get eternal life. Amen? So I'm trying to rise you above what's going to happen in the end days that you think is so scary and so terrible and so awful. And I want to rise you above that. And John wants to rise you above that. And God wants you to rise you above that. And see, yeah, there's going to be some bad things go on on this earth. It's going to progressively get worse. But I supersede it all. I'm in control. And I got a group of people whose names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And they are not going to be, they're going to be singing at the end. They're going to be standing around the throne saying, hallelujah, salvation belongs to you, God. And so look, so he says, and also that's the beast was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And watch this, authority was given to the beast over every tribe and people and language and nation. So God has given authority to a beast. The beast rises up. But watch this. There's somebody else behind the beast who has power that has been given to him. Listen to who comes on the scene now and we're introduced to. A dragon. Look at what it says in in 2. And we'll look more at that in the weeks to come. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's. Its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And, and, And to it, the dragon gave his power and his throne and his great authority to this Beast. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. So we add this idea of not only a beast coming forth out of the scene, we see this world power coming up out of this scene that a man's going to come forth also out of this. But we also see this false prophet rise up. But behind this is a dragon, a dragon that has been given power and been given authority, and he's able to give over his throne. And great authority. And and we see God allows this to take place. God allows this to be done. God gives the authority. And and, and we see this. And it now says that all who dwell on the earth will worship this beast. Except those names who were written in the book of life before the foundation of the world. Again, how can God be in control and at the same time humanity operate the way it wants to operate? God had a plan from the beginning. This is how God can do it. God is sovereign. And God had a plan in the beginning and from the beginning. And He set forth that that one needed would need to come and die for the whole world. One would need to come and give His life as a sacrifice. There would need to be a lamb. And He would come before human. The Bible said this is already planned out, thought out in the mind of God, in the heart of God, before one human ever stepped foot on planet earth. Before you and I ever stepped forth here and fell, he already had a plan to work out our redemption. He already had a rescue plan. And Satan thought, as I said later, I'll wreck that plan. I'll come in there and I'll kill this Nazarene. He tried to do it on numerous occasions. He tried to do it with Herod and he failed. He tried to do it other times and he failed. Hey, he looked so powerful. He ain't that powerful because he kept failing every time he tried to thwart the plan of God. Every time he tried to do it, God superseded him and brought his plan. 
plan to fruition and said, I have a plan. And my plan took place between the Father and the Son. Before the foundation of the world, we agreed upon this set plan. It's been, it's been enacted and it's going to come to victory. And my plan will finally arrive at the place where my Son has complete victory over everything. And He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? And can you imagine that conversation before the world began? I think of it often. Can you imagine that conversation between the Father and the Son? Can you imagine them sitting there and the Father saying, I'm going to choose this group of people and I'm going to give them to you, my Son, as a gift. I'm going to give you these people as a gift. That's what Ephesians says. That's what Ephesians, if you go to the book of Ephesians and you begin to look in about the uh, first chapter, the fourth verse, listen to what it says. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy. Come on. That we should be without blame before him in love. He chose a group of people and he's saying, the father is saying, son, I'm going to choose some people. I'm going to write their name in a book before they're even come on the face of the world. And I'm going to give them to you as a love gift. I'm going to give them to you. And they're, he says, listen, they'll be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and glory and his grace by which he made us acceptable in the beloved. And I could go on and on and that would give you reason to shout. He, the father, is giving the son a gift. He is giving him a group of people and, and he's showing them what he's doing in this is he is showing his grandness. He is showing the grandness of God in the fact that I'm going to give you a group of people. They are going to fall. They are going to fail. They are going to be rotten, putrid, stinking sinners and you are going to go my son and you are going to redeem them back. You're going to die for them. You're going to shed your blood. You're going to purchase them back and you're going to you're going to you're, you're going to it's going to show God's love. It's going to show God's mercy. It's going to show God's justice in a way that nobody could ever know it unless they were to see this fall and see this redemption. They're going to see how great God is. This ain't about man. This is about me. They're going to see my love. They're going to see my power. They're going to see my grace. They're going to see my mercy. They're going to see my justice. They're going to see my goodness. They're going to see my love. And that's what God allows to take place. And they come together and covenant together and talk about before the very foundation of the world. One day the son will show up. Here's what happens. The father gives the son these people. The son redeems them back. And one day soon we're going to see in the book of Revelation, the son brings them back to the father and says, here they are. I give them back to you. And he presents this chosen people, this royal priesthood, this holy nation, these beautiful people that he's redeemed by his blood, these adopted sons and daughters of God, these Jew and Gentile, these ones that have been, even these rotten dog Gentiles that have been grafted in. And he's placed us in fellowship with God and brought us back. And our names appear in a book that happened way before we ever were thought about. This giant love gift between the Father and the Son. And here's what's so cool about this book. We don't really see this book before eternity, before in eternity past, which our minds have a hard time again fathoming what does eternity mean. I mean, like we can't hardly get our head around that. 
but, but way back when, God, and, you know, he's there and he has this plan. He has all authority, he has all power, he has sovereignty. And he writes our names in this book of life. We don't get to look into this book or see anything about this book until this book shows up again all the way in the back of the book at Revelation chapter 20. And finally, this book is going to be open and names are going to be read. The Father or somebody's going to step forward and they're going to read. Come on. They're going to read in the book. Daniel Howard. Marcy Lindsay. Come on. James. I mean, he's going to call your name that was there before the foundation of the world. And you say, oh no, what's going to happen if my name's... No, he knows whose name is in there before the foundation of the world. And I promise you, if that name's in there, you're going to be standing here in Revelation 20. Amen? And so God had a purpose and he had a plan and he created a people that would worship him forever because that's what happens when they come to this place of Revelation 20 and their names are called there. We don't fully understand it, but we're in awe of the plan of God. We're in awe of the power of God. We are just standing there and we sing and we worship and we see that all of this has been connected to the redemptive plan. And here's what we say in Revelation 17. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. You thought about this plan in eternity past. You were with us in the middle of it and you thought about it all the way to the end. And God, now here we are. Salvation belongs to you, oh God. You redeemed us out of every tribe, tongue, nation, kindred, and people. Amen. It was your plan and you fulfilled it flawlessly and you fulfilled it perfectly. Amen. Hallelujah. So in the past, this book was written. In the future, a group will sing praises unto God who had their names written in that book. Amen? And humanity's rebellion cost something, though. Don't think that our rebellion, because God had a plan, that, the, that humanity's rebellion and rejection of God didn't cost us something. And that's why I think it's so much when John the Baptist comes on the scene and he looks and he looks at this one coming and he says, my goodness, my goodness. There he is. Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. Here's the one we've been waiting for. This is the one who was promised who would come before the foundation of the world. Look, that's him. He's finally arrived on the scene to come and do exactly what he thought he would do. And humanity says, you know what? Yeah, but guess what? We're going to kill him. That's our plan. We're going to torture him. We're going to crucify this Nazarene. We'll destroy him. And, and all of a sudden, that's their plan. Satan comes on the scene. And he says, I tell you what, I'll crucify him. I'll kill him. The Bible says if the princes of the earth had known what they were doing, if, if they had known, if those Romans had known, if humanity had known, if those Jews had known, if those Gentiles had known, if Satan would have known, he would have never crucified the Lord. Because as Satan was working to stop and as humanity was working to stop their own salvation. Christ does all that he does so that he might present a people to the Father. 
And that's why he comes to a certain place and they offer him sour wine and he says, it is finished. And he bows his head on the cross of Christ. And in that moment, like I said, everything, everything from eternity past, everything to eternity future comes together and collides in that place. All the justice, all the wrath, all the sin, all the love, all the mercy, all the grace, everything comes crashing there upon that cross. And everything comes and Jesus says, now Father, everything we talked about before, back then, and every name we wrote in the book, now it's possible right here as I die hanging on this cross. Father, it is finished. And right there, the great connection of everything happened. The great connection where the Father said everything that was going to happen, happened. And it seemed, like I said, like Satan was winning every mocking word, every nail of the nail. But Colossians 2 says, no, with every pound of the nail he was losing. And God made an open show and a mockery of him. And so I'm telling you, he was defeated. God is not. He's above antinomy. He just comes through and his plan supersedes everything. Amen. And there again, all of this is just so mind-boggling. If you try to think it out with your mind, it's impossible. It has to be revealed to you by the Spirit of God. Amen? It's not meant to be figured out. And I don't even know that when we get there, we will figure. Everybody thinks, when I get there, I'll figure it all out. I don't know. I just think we're just going to stand there in awe. Just speechless, just silent. Just in awe of the plan of God. Just singing. It says we're going to sing. We're going to sing. I will sing of the goodness of God. For all my life you have been faithful. For all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I mean, that's what we're going to wind up there singing. Dear God, all I can do is just say thank you and just start singing of this wonderful plan of salvation. He has authority. He had a plan. And thank God, humanity can't wreck it, and nor can Satan. Our God is in control. Our God, And that's what John is trying to show us here. Hey, if you're a saint of God today, lift up your head. Look up, because I'm telling you, it's good. Your redemption draws nigh. Don't worry about what you got to go through. But then we come to Revelation 13, 7, and here's where everybody, we all freak out again. That's nice, but where do we fit in? That's back then at the cross. But look what it's saying our future, the future coming is for a lot of people, especially those who don't know God. Look at what he says. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. That means to kill them, because we find that out in Revelation eleven seven. 7. And authority was given it over every tribe, people, language, and nation. Now, this is a future event. This is a real beast that is going to rise. This is a this is, who is empowered by Satan. He's going to come on the earth. We're going to talk about that in the coming days. He's going to kill saints. Thus, you don't think bad things can happen. We always use that phrase. None of us are really good. But uh, we always, oh, God would never allow anything bad to happen. Well, right here, there's some stuff being allowed to happen to fulfill his plan, right? 
He's not the author of evil, but, but man's on this course. Satan's on this course. And God has a plan from before the foundation of the world to have a people. And he's got a way of getting there and getting there to, to there. And he says, if anyone is to be taken captive, to captive he goes. If anyone is to be slain with a sword, with the sword he may be slain. Here is the call for endurance. He's calling us for endurance. He's calling the saints to endure. He's saying, if you know that I'm, I've got a plan and you know your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, then you know that I died and through that death good things came from and you know there's been martyrs that have died all throughout the time and are dying even today and that I bring good things out of that and that I bring you to this appointed place then you've got to trust me that my plan is good and that everything is working for your good and yes it's going to be tough and yes there's going to be some difficult things but you cannot lose the sight of this plan that I have. You cannot get your eyes off of me to where you get to a place where you lose heart. you got to remember that God supersedes all things. Amen? He's given them hope in this revelation by giving this an image of something grander than Satan. Something grander than the beast system. Something grander than even the most humans that we think are in control and doing things. He's trying to give them Raymond uh, to say, hey, these people are running their course. They're doing their thing. And they're getting mean. And they're doing some horrible things. But I'm in control. I supersede it all. So don't, get, don't bite your nails. Don't, don't get in a panic. And so John and the people that I said are at John's time. I mean, you've got persecution going on. People are really paying a price right here at John's time. And that's why he keeps writing and why he writes to us so many times. I believe there's one for every day of the, of the year, every day for the whole year. What does he keep saying to us over and over again in the word? Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Even as you see these things coming on the earth, fear not. That's why in Revelation 2.10 he says, Do not fear what you are about to suffer to a certain group of people. He says, Don't fear what you're about to suffer. He says, Behold the devil. It's one thing if somebody else is going to throw you into jail, but what if the devil is going to throw you into jail? Look, the devil is going to throw some of you into prison. And here's what he says, That you may be tested for ten days, have tribulation. But what does he say? Be faithful. Here's what we got. Be faithful. Endure. Keep going. Stay in the saddle. Keep going. Keep going. Keep riding. Keep going forward. Keep, keep trucking. Keep moving. Be faithful. Hang in there, body of Christ. Hang in there, church of the living God. Keep moving. Keep going forward. And Revelation 13, 4 says, And they worshiped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who can fight against it? In other words, the murmur on the street at this time, as it continues to increase, is who can fight against this system? Who is bigger? than this system. This beast is so great. This beast is so powerful. He's killing everybody. He's killing every Christian. He's killing everybody who opposes him. And then John writes something like this earlier on. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Amen? And I think that's why he told them don't love the world. I believe that's why he wrote do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world or Satan's system, the system that Satan's setting up. If anybody loves the world, and boy, there's some people that love the world today. The love of the Father is not in them. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the desires of the pride of life, is, is not from the Father, but it is from the world. It's not the Father's doing. And the world is passing away along with its desires, 
But whosoever does the will of God abides forever. In other words, the world's passing away, but Jesus is setting everything straight. So hold on. Stay in the saddle. Be faithful. Don't turn to the world. Don't give up hope as you see the beast system rising. Don't see as you see these things begin encroaching. Don't see as you begin to see the birth pains begin to happen. Hang on. And he says, here's the call of endurance of the faith of the saints. And we say, here's what we say today. I can't wait for Jesus to come and everything to be perfect. What he's saying right here is, hold on just a little longer. Endure. Endure hardship like a good soldier. Keep on trucking. Keep on keeping on. Stay in the saddle. Don't try to find your way out of the saddle. Keep going. Stay on target. Endure. Have faith. Keep going. Revelation is a call to the people to say God is in charge. God is sovereign. And God is working things out. So endure. Keep going. Right? And he's working towards a wonderful end. And not only towards a wonderful end for himself and, 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 all, and creation and a new heaven and a new earth. But you're part of that. Remember he wrote your name in a book before the foundation of the world. Remember now here you are back there. You're part of that. And why will we endure? How do I know we're going to endure? Because long ago he put my name in that Lamb's book of life. That's how I know that I'm going to endure. Because he put it there and he's going to get me to this. And he who began a work in me will perform it and carry it on to completion till the coming of Jesus Christ my Lord. Amen. Half of you believe it. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 1.8, I'm about to quit, I know I'm getting long. Who will sustain you to the end? Come on, you going to get yourself there? Who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ? God is faithful. By whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ. In other words, God calls us, God gives us faithfulness, and God even gives us endurance to make it. And here's what he says, I'm the good shepherd. I'm going to shepherd you all the way to the end. Those that I called, those that I put in that book, I'm going to shepherd you all the way to the end. Now listen to what he says, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He says, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord and I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to pick it up again. And this charge I received from my father. And he said, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life and I take it up again. My sheep hear my voice. They, I know them. They follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish and not one of them will be snatched from my hands. You know what Greek? That means in the Greek, not one of them will be snatched from my hands. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. My security was founded back between the Father and the Son and a plan they enacted and the power of the Holy Spirit comes and makes that uh, begin to be possible. And the question is, how does He give us this endurance in closing? Romans 5. Romans 5 tells us this. Romans 5 tells us that He allows suffering and through our suffering it produces endurance 
And through our endurance, it produces character. And through our character, it produces hope. And hope does not disappoint. God, way back then, had a plan. God is seeing this plan all the way through. God is allowing suffering and endurance and all these things to be coming about to impact and work out His plan. And by allowing this in the midst of suffering is a loving Father that says, I'm orchestrating this so that you, by the end, will look like Jesus. So that the end, you will come through this thing with, with endurance. You'll come through this thing with the character. You'll come through this thing shining as bright lights in a darkened world. And this is where you will finally come come. Amen. You'll come to this place at the end and you'll have endurance and you'll look like the son of the living God. And this is where you'll be in closing Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. The sea was no more. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor cry nor pained anymore for the former things have passed away go ahead and he who was seated on the throne said behold I'm making all things new also he said write this down for these words are trustworthy and true he said it is done I'm the alpha the omega the beginning the end to the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment the one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son Go to the next one. Or is that it? That's it. Hallelujah. Started way back then. And now Jesus rights all the wrongs and brings us to here. And what he's telling us right now in the middle of it, before we get there, is hang on. Endure. Stay the course. Trust me. Don't give up. I have a plan. And I wrote it way back there, and it's coming to this place, and you're going to stand around my throne, and you're going to be singing my praises. And we're going to stand there and say, you did it, God. And nobody, and what, do you want, what, I'm, what I'm here to tell you, basically all that to say this, you can't stop the plan of God. Humanity, you can't stop the plan of God. Satan, you can't stop the plan of God. Politician in Washington or politician in, in, in Russia or politician in the UN or anywhere, none of you can stop the plan of God. Go ahead. You're just going to fall right into the hands of God and God is enacting His plan. So saints of the living God, know that God's plan is coming to pass. Now here, here, here we're about to... Uh, uh, Go into a time just prayer, and then Marcy's going to do something that she's got to do. But how many remember giving a gift? Or, or like, how many like to give gifts? Well, we're about to give a gift in a minute. And I'm kind of giddy about the gift that we're about to give in a minute. But I know when I look, I, sometimes it's not, some of it's not, it's not as much receiving a gift as it is giving a gift. And the reason I think it is is because if I buy my son or, or my other son something that they, I know they want, if they've been waiting and it's Christmas, 
I, or if I just buy them something out of the blue, I know what's in the gift. So I get real excited. I can't hardly wait. If I buy my wife jewelry or something, which I don't do a lot because I don't have the money, but I would do it more often if I could. But when I get to go somewhere like Kate Spade or somewhere on a birthday and get half off or this or that, and I come home, man, I usually can't hold it for three days and tell her. Like if Valentine's was three days from then, typically she's going to get it before then because I just can't do it. I'm too giddy and excited about giving it. Can I tell you something about our God? Our Father is giddy about presenting a group of people to the Son and the Son presenting this gift back to the Father. He is giddy about this salvation of ours. Hallelujah. Father, we love you and we know that you are giddy. And you wrote our names way back there. And someone would say, he doesn't even care about me. And I say, oh, yes, he does. If he wrote your name, if he was willing to write a name way back there, he cares. He cares. And God, we as the church need to hang together. It's one thing we need to learn. We need to be in fellowship together. We talked a lot about that at the beginning because we need each other to say, hang in there. God, I've had a horrible couple of weeks, just an attack from hell. And Lord, I've been depressed and down. And Lord, certain saints have come and I've been able to just, they've just come around me and said, hang in there. Hang in there. Hang in there. We're going to make it. We're going to get through this. God's going to help us. And Father, that's what we've got to do. We've got to hang in there. We've got to keep going. And we've got to have people come along and say, it's worth it. Because this gift that the Father had in eternity past and now is bringing this plan to complete fruition, our salvation, it is good. And He brings us to this wonderful end and presents this plan to us, God. It is amazing. So Father, in the name of the Father, who in eternity past set this plan into motion, God, we say it was a powerful plan and we thank you for it. In the name of the Son who hooked everything together that this plan might come together, God. At the end, and these people would worship Him and stand before His throne forever and ever. The Good Shepherd laid down His life so that this plan could come to pass. And in the name of the Holy Spirit who sealed us for the day of redemption. And nothing can stop that plan from coming to pass. And nothing can take us out of the hands of God. We say thank you, God. We say thank you for this wonderful, awesome plan of God. And we praise you, God. And Lord, we're not going to be sad as we see things changing on our earth because we know that you supersede all things and your plan is good. You're good, God. And our names were written. Everyone whose name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life, they did not worship this beast. And we thank God for it. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you don't know if your name is written in that Lamb's book of life, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to to, to make your calling and election sure. 
And so here, we just want to ask you if, you, if you need salvation, if you know that you're a sinner and you know that if you died today and you know that if God were to come today, you know if he sounded that trumpet and, and, the, and, and he called us out of here today, you know that, that, that there's something in you that's not right. You're just not sure if everything between you and the Father is right. And so today, would you make your calling and election sure? If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, Brad, this message has spoken to me today and I want to make sure that I am saved. I want to make sure that I am one of those standing singing at the throne that my name is recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. If that's you, would you shoot your hand up and I want to just uh, pray with you and for you. Is there one here? Amen. Well, let me reverse that. Is your name, if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, raise your hand. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, Father, thank you. Thank you, God. I think every hand went up in, in here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that our names are written in glory. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for eternal life. Thank you for a plan enacted long ago. And thank you for having the power to fulfill that plan. God, thank you that you are above antinomy. And you are a God who is in control. And a God who is more than enough. You are good, good Good, Father, and we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen.